Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Matt Connor Whiteley, bringing you psychology news and easy to understand and engaging psychology facts. For more information and the backlist episode show notes and more information on psychology topics, please go to connorwhiteley.net and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 1 of the Psychology Podcast, of the Psychology World Podcast. This episode is titled, What is Psychology and Cognition in the Digital World? So the focus of this episode will be just introducing what the podcast is going to be about and and then in the actual content part of the episode I'm going to be explaining to you what psychology is, what cognitive psychology is and also how psychology is affected by, by our constant exposure to a digital technology. So why how this podcast is going to be, is that I'll be releasing an episode every Monday, and then, yep, and then the structure of the podcast will be broken down as followed. In the first section, I'll be giving you like psychology news about like recent studies. I'm not going to be doing that today because this is the first episode, and I just want to like, introduce what the podcast is it going to be about. And then in the following bit, I'll like, give you a personal update about anything interesting in my life. Yes, and then in that section of today's episode, I'm just going to be introducing myself because, come on, chances are you've never heard of me and I really don't blame you. And then there'll be the content section, which is when I'll talk about, yes, and then I'll talk about what the episode's essentially going to be about. So, and then if we further break the content down, I'll introduce the topic, and then I'll give the supporting studies, but then we're also going to do critical thinking, which is when we're going to say the positives and negatives of the studies, because it's really important in psychology to be critical. It's actually important in everyday life to be critical, because in the world that we're constantly thrown with information, it's vital that we sieve out what's good and what's bad about the information and we take everything with a pinch of salt because you never know when something could be false or it could be biased. So let's move into the personal update section. So I'm Colin Whiteley. I'm a psychology author. I have, or let's think, I have, I have the introductory series which is eight books ranging on many psychology topics, for example, biological, um, cognitive psychology, which is what this episode and a few others will be about, the first few. Then there's also um, social psychology, health psychology, abnormal psychology, and even research in psychology. Now, don't worry if you don't understand what some of them are. I didn't at first, at first, but the aim of this podcast is to help you understand this. And the same goes for my books. They're all written for people who who want to know a bit more about psychology. Yes, but maybe they didn't take it like school or anything. Now, I'm doing all this simply because I believe that psychology is a great and interesting subject. Yes, and I just want to share this knowledge with you. I also just want to help you like pick up a few useful lessons. So I'm also um, a sci-fi fantasy author. I've written quite a few sci-fi fantasy books, I think, so I've written about like seven sci-fi fantasy books, 
example, the Angel of Return, the Garo Trilogy, which is more of like five books because you've got a short story book. Yes, and then I've also done some other like um, non-fiction books, for example, like Global Mental Health, a Global Look at Depression, which I might do an episode on. Because the whole focus of, of the book is to compare different cultures and see how they compare and how they treat mental health. Yes, that now that was a good book to like research. research. However, if you're thinking that, well, yes, you write books, but that doesn't mean that you're qualified. Qualified. My side, yes, my background in psychology was that I I be psychology from the ages of sixteen to eighteen. On eighteen, yes, and that I got a B on, yes, which is pretty good, I guess. Yeah, it's happened then I was also I to be honest, I was like a mini teacher in like in like at that course because everyone came to me for information and all the other students looked to me for help help when they were like struggling. Yes, and then I'm now studying psychology with a clinical psychology and a placement year at a university in the UK. Yes, I'm in my first year and I like it. So like in a few years I should have a degree in psychology and then in the future I'm, future I'm hoping to become a doctor of a clinical psychology. Yes, so now that you know a bit a bit more about me, let's move on to the content of the show. So now that you know like a bit more about me, now we're going to be moving on to what the episode's actually about. So first of all, what is psychology? There are so many definitions out there and it does get ridiculously complicated. However, for the purpose of everything I do, I simply put psychology as the as the scientific yes, that's scientific study of human behaviour. And I know everyone has lots of different opinions about psychology as a science. I've experienced quite a lot of like prejudice, but Psychology is the science because we have tons of egg experiments and everything we propose is supported by data. And if it's not, then I frown upon those people because we can't just make these grand speak gestures of our knowledge and say that this is responsible for that without evidence because that is wrong. Yes, and as you'll see throughout these podcast episodes, yeah, I will be supporting these concepts with studies and with facts. Now, yes, all of these studies might not be the greatest, because some of them are bad. However, at the times when they were conducted, they were revolutionary. And still, it still provides us with some evidence. This is a topic I'll address in the critical thinking sections. So all that you need to remember is that psychology is the study of human behaviour. However, in psychology, there are so many subfields which I find fascinating because there's so many different aspects to the human mind, I think. Because if you take biology, for example, biological psychology looks at how our biology affects our behaviour. For example, our genetics, how some behaviours have evolved over, over over millions of generations. And biological psychology I find really interesting. But it's also the closest we can get to the hard sciences, which... And by hard science, I mean that we can say that this definitely causes this. Even though it's close, we still can't 100% say that X causes Y. However, in a few episodes' time, I'm going to be focusing on biological psychology. 
and this I'll share more with you then. However, what this episode and the next two are going to be about are is cognitive psychology. Now, cognitive psychology is, again, a subfield of psychology. Yeah, but it focuses on how mental processes impact our behaviour. For example, you have biases in our thinking, which I'm going to do next episode. Next episode. However, as this is the first ever episode, I thought that I'll bring up quite an interesting like, topic because, because for years, ever since technology has come out, ever since the TV became mainstream, don't quote me on this, but I think it was something like the 80s, everyone's been delighted about, will it be good? Will it be the end of humanity? What are the consequences of being exposed to this constant bombardment of that technology? Because we cannot avoid it. Well, even now, you're being exposed to my digital voice on a podcast on your phone. Even now, as I'm recording this, I'm being exposed to my phone. And earlier, because I had to print these notes, I was exposed to my laptop and my printer. So technology is all around us. However, how does it affect us? Everything, everything I knew about this topic, this episode would last for about two hours or more. Simply, there are so many studies that say good things, so many, so many studies about bad things, about technology. However, I'm just going to simplify it and I'm just going to mention two. Yes, one saying that technology is a good, another one saying that it's bad. It's bad. But first of all, let's get into a bit of like theory. Theory. So, we all know that technology must have some sort of like effect. However, why? Why, why must it? How do we know that these technologies actually have an effect, compared to it's just hearsay and people just are guessing? So, the way how we know this is again through experiment, however a bit more theoretical content, is that our brains are shaped through shaped through daily interactions, processes and lots of complicated stuff basically. It's like being exposed to new technologies, new experiences causes our brains to react. Because as I'm gonna look at look at in episode four is this concept of neuroplasticity. And what that is is that it states that our brains can change in response to environmental demand. For example, certain areas of our brains can grow in can grow in a brain matter in a response to what we need. However, more on that in episode four. However, however, us being exposed to new technologies or even older ones causes our brains to change, and that's how technology has an effect. Yeah, so like, now that we know the theory behind technology and how it can affect our behaviour, let's actually dive into some studies now. So the first one we're going to look at is Ferry and Poster, 2001. And one I find really like, interesting, simply because it does show how technology can be very beneficial to, um, to people. So let's dive into the study. So what they did was that they studied... Uh, 62 right-handed people with no growth in egg experience. And then what the researchers did was that they split it into three groups. A control group, a learning group, and an entertainment group. Now, the learning group was people who wanted to improve their growth. Their growth. However, the entertainment group was that these people just wanted to learn go further from. They weren't really bothered about improving, they just wanted to have fun. Was that um, some of them... 
practiced in the real world. For example, they actively practice on like gopher courses. However, however, some of the other participants then trained on a gopher simulator as a way to improve putting. And the results showed that putting in approved in the learning and the entertainment group. However, the interesting thing though was that the putting improved most in the learning group, leading the researchers to conclude that for the digital um, simulation, so the technology to be useful, useful, the technology needed to be reliable by showing demonstrations of a putting, and there has to be motivation to improve. I'm reading for my notes and I've just realised that that is actually quite a technical definition. So to put it like simply, so this led the researchers to conclude that for te- so for a technology simulation to be helpful and to help people learn, yes, the simulation has to be realistic. So you, yes, yeah, so like it would have to look very close to the real world and people have to be People have to be motivated to improve, and that was the difference between the entertainment group and the learning group. But the learning group had the motivation to improve; they wanted to be better. Yes, yeah, so overall, like this study shows that technology can be helpful to people, as it clearly demonstrates that technology can be used to help people learn new skills. However, this study is really good because it has it has what we call strong internal validity which means that the study accurately measures what it or what it wanted to because it did measure the improvement in the putting because of the technology however this study while it's a good i feel like it could be a bit better because because this study has something called quite low ecological validity now ecological validity means that it doesn't necessarily represent the real world. The real world, because how many people do you actually know who would who wants to improve golfing, golfing skills? Personally, I know nobody who wants to. So I feel like this was, while it, while it was a great example, it doesn't really have any real world applications. So what could have been more useful is that if they used a driving example. Because millions of people, pretty much everyone, wants to know how to drive, or they already do. For example, pretty much everyone I know wants to learn how to drive, and oh, so do I. Yeah, but that's a story for another time. Yeah, overall, I think I think that if this study was to be redone using a more valid everyday example, then this. We could more certainly say that this study and these results do apply to do apply to the real world, because if a study has low ecological validity, then then as a researcher you do have a lot of problems about trying to link your findings to the real world, because there isn't there isn't a context. So that's how I think the study could be improved upon and make the results more valid. So moving on to our next study, which shows that technology can have a bad effect effect is a Sparrow NL 2001. Before I go into the actual study, I need to tell you a bit of theory first. So as I'll cover in a future episode, there are many different types of memory. Yes, and one of the types of memory is called a transactional memory. 
Now, this type of memory is, in essence, is lazy memory, because we all do it. For example, do you know when all the birthdays are in your family, or do you rely on someone else to be able to tell you? If the answer is yes, like I'm guilty of, then that is called transactional memory, because you yourself don't store the information, and you yourself don't remember the information, Instead, you choose to transfer that information to somebody else. Therefore, you don't have to remember it. Yeah, so the simplest definition of a transactional memory is, well, is when you don't bother to remember it because you believe you can go somewhere else to get that information. Now, the reason why we do this can be for many reasons, but one of them is that we believe that our long-term memory capacity is limited, which there's some debate about whether it is or isn't. However, that's a topic for a future episode. Yes, and now in this like study, technology can impact this idea of transactional memory and by extension, our behaviour. So, Spouse 2001. So, what the researchers did was that they asked that the research participants to type 40 trivial facts into a computer. Some facts were new, and others were more common knowledge. And this research I study was an example of a 2 times 2 independent measurement design. Now, believe me, that's a lot to take in. In essence, what it meant was that there were two conditions, condition 1 and group, and a condition 2. All that these conditions means is that there were two groups. Okay, and then the other two comes in with each of these groups were halved. Okay, so you effectively have four groups within this egg experiment. So the four conditions were, was all participants typed in these, uh, these effects into the computer. However, then it started to change. So what happened was, was that, was that the first two groups were told that the information would be saved. However, then half of them were told to remember the information. Then the second group group was told that the information would be erased afterwards. So they could not come back to this information. And then what happened was that half of these were told, were told that they needed to try and remember the information. You have four different groups. Two of them were told that the information would be saved. And then half of them was asked to remember the information. And then the other two groups were told that the information would be erased. And then half of them were asked to remember the information. Afterwards, there was a test to see how much of the information could they remember. However, the results showed that being asked to remember the information made no significant difference between the groups. If you want to see the detailed information of the results, then I would recommend getting like it's not my book, Cognitive Psychology, with the tables in there. In there. However, for the podcast, I'll just give you a like, quick like, example. Because these four groups are already quite common if you do. So like, uh, for the people that were asked to remember their information, but they were also asked how that the information would be saved. Saved, remembered 19% of the information. However, for the same group, where they were told that the information would be saved, but they weren't asked to remember. They remembered at 22%. Therefore, there's not actually a lot of a difference. So being asked to 
remember the information, doesn't really matter. Therefore, in conclusion, people who believe that they could retrieve the information and go back to it to be able to learn the thing, it just they could check the information from the computer, they didn't put as much effort into remembering the information. Yeah, so therefore, this supports the idea that technology could be bad for us, as, as this study shows that when information is at our fingertips, then we don't bother to remember information as much. Now, there is a massive problem with this, well, with this study. We cannot measure the effort levels that the participants put into this study. And because of that, we don't know why this difference exists. And because of that, we cannot say that the Google effect, which is another word for transactional memory, to put it simply, is responsible for this difference. Other factors could be responsible for this difference. So this study is not 100% saying that the technology causes this. It does slightly weaken the idea that this technology could be bad because it makes us lazy in terms of re- in terms of remembering. So if I was to do this study again, what I would do is that at the end of it, I would include semi-structured interviews, which is when you have some questions that says which you asked everyone. However, you leave it open-ended to some extent just so that you can have a bit more freedom. And there is the possibility that you'll find information that you wouldn't get if if you only asked your set questions. And I believe that this would be a good idea, simply because it would allow us to interview each of these people, and then we can ask them directly, why didn't you remember the information? And I just think it'd be a bit easier in terms of helping us to narrow down down that the Google effect was to be responsible for this. However, that's just my opinion. However, there is a positive of this study, is that it does clearly show that technology must have some sort of effect on the memory. Because if the technology had no effect whatsoever, then surely all of these groups should have the exact same results. Or it should be even closer, because while some of them is just a 2-3% difference, but that there's a clear difference between people who believe they could go back to the information, and people who believed that the information would be erased. So, I definitely think there's something there. Yes, and this brings us to the end of the, of the two studies. So, let's bring everything that we've learned to group together as a one whole. So we know there are different pros and cons of a technology and the reason why technology impacts our behaviour is that because it, uh, because in essence, yes, these new experiences when we're, when we're exposed to technology causes changes in our brains because of neuroplasticity. And again, I will look at neuroplasticity a lot more in a future episode. So there are tons of different studies that support that technology is good and then there's a lot that says that technology is bad. For example, Ferry and Poster 2001 shows that, that technology can help people to learn new skills. Then again, Sparrow and All 2001 demonstrates that, that technology can be bad as, because in essence technology can make us lazy. So that's it in a very small nutshell. So I hope that you've learned something today. And I hope that you'll continue to listen to the podcast.
hope that you enjoyed today's show. And I hope you found it interesting and useful. For more information about psychology, please check out my blog at connorwhitely.net. And if you want to know more about cognitive psychology, please check out my book, Cognitive Psychology by Connor Whiteley. Have a great week.